0: welcome to the do more good
1: podcast now if you're new here prepare yourself for a journey filled with heartwarming tales and career wisdom from the movers and shakers of the third sector and beyond those
0: of you who've been with us for the previous 100
1: episodes rest assured we've got the same three jokes you've become accustomed
0: to but more stories from people doing more good
1: I'm Kenneth, the Global Head of Commercial and Fundraising at the amazing organisation that is part run and the kind of person who feels right at home busting a move on the dance floor of an industry conference. And I'm James, big fan
0: of Spreadsheet Formula and Head of Public Fundraising at Sue Ryder. This is the Do More Good Podcast.
1: You're to the Do More Good Podcast.
2: The Do More Good Podcast. More Good podcast. Uh, welcome to Do More Good podcast. Good, do more Do more good podcast, do more good podcast.
0: That's what you want me to say. You're okay. you listening to the Do More Good podcast.
1: Here we are, James, back again for another version of the Do More Good podcast. It's episode 106, and we're looking at the Scottish fundraising conference, which is coming up very soon. We are
0: indeed. It's very exciting. I feel there's going to be a theme of this uh, episode which is just we're we're missing out. A, we can't be there in Scotland for the next few days which is a real shame because as you were just talking to our guest about it's firmly part of our calendar. It feels like an event that we go to every year and really look forward to so that's a real shame and then secondly Uh, On a more personal level, I was quite jealous because you uh, sent me so many videos and photos of yourself by the pool over the past week. that um, It was sickening, sickening as the weather has been so terrible here in South London. I
1: I know, I know. It is terrible at the moment. As we were just saying, it's absolutely pouring down outside. But yeah, I was very lucky that the past weekend, um, the children... Uh, went away with their grandparents for a couple of weeks, so the grandparents have been looking after them, which gave my wife and I a few days to to kind of go away, relax, and we flew over to Ibiza for just a bit of a just total sunshine and chill and it was absolutely amazing feel like I've got some thoughts in place and just had that that time away so yeah it was good and I know I apologize now you weren't the only one you'll be pleased to know who were getting photos of me lying on a sun lounger relaxing so uh, yeah it yeah. was it was really good but you're when are you you're off soon aren't you yes so I am off on
0: Saturday morning we're doing a couple of days in Paris, which sounds very glamorous, doesn't it? Uh, and then down to the South of France. So yeah, it'd be really nice. But um, it's not quite it's not quite Glasgow in September, is it?
1: No, so. it's not. I know. We, as you just touched on, I think it's it's become a bit of a fixture. And 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 Gary and the whole organising committee of the Scottish fundraising conference have they just really know how to put together a brilliant conference. And actually, I think we'll both agree on this, and I'm sure our guest will agree as well that it's it's probably one of the best friendliest most upbeat conferences i think every time that we've been i know that you went on your own actually last year didn't you because i couldn't make it but yeah it's always just such a positive experience so we'll 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 come into that a little bit more but i um i got some feedback from a friend of the show yesterday actually so we've been doing a few little episodes haven't we in between a bit of behind the scenes reflecting on some of our previous episodes and I spoke to him actually last night. Stuart, I'll give him a, I'll give him a shout out. And he, he told me that there's a bit of a bit of an error, a bit of a stutter in the old intro that I need oh. to, to fix. But he said he really enjoyed it, actually. And um, yeah, I think it's a, it's a good thing. And we should start doing a few more of those.
0: Yeah, it was fun, wasn't it? Just to catch up on the last couple of episodes. And um, is it was he suggesting it was a production uh, error or was this more delivery? I don't we'll, we'll listen back. <laughs> I think it was just lack of lack of
1: ability from myself probably
0: ah we ran out of talent yeah talent definitely
1: definitely the issue we're finding a bit of momentum again aren't we with the podcast which is great we've got some exciting guests coming up really excited about today's guest as well i know we he's actually featured previously as we touched on we're here really to set ourselves up for the the scottish fundraising conference which happens on the 5th and 6th of september i think we're planning on putting this out just the, the week before the yep. um the conference comes. It's at the Double Tree in Glasgow Central, a real opportunity to kind of, you know, share and learn and hear from um all those amazing fundraisers there are in and around Scotland and, and, and from the UK. I think they have visitors from from lots of places. Yeah. Really encourage anyone listening to to check it out if you haven't been before. It's um there's a lot to learn and I'm sure you'll have some some good takeaways, James, that we've had from it.
0: Yeah, yeah. I always really enjoy it. Like you say, it's just really friendly. Going up there with my London accent, there's, you know, the first day there's a couple of us huddled together uh, in one of the corners, a little bit worried about everybody in kilts. But actually, by the end of it, we're all doing a Kayleigh together. So, yeah, it's, it's really good fun. There's tons of great content, um, as we have showcased in the past with some of our summary episodes. So a shame that we won't get to do that in person this year. But we are trying hard to get some of the the top notch speakers to come and join us and showcasing what they will be talking about over the next few
1: days. Yeah. talking about one of those top-notch speakers why don't you introduce our guest who's patiently as ever waiting waiting there go for it james okay so to reduce our fomo
0: from the scottish fundraising conference we have got a bdif a big deal in fundraising from north of the border to join us for a chat through a career which has led him to hosting a masterclass at this year's event not only was our guest until recently the ceo of the superpower agency providing workshops and creative programs to get young people excited about writing and not only is our guest the founder of bng a consultancy focused on storytelling creativity and organizational development Not only was our guest the chief executive of 826 National and Network of Organisations across the United States, the recipient of the 2016 News Corp Community Hero Award, a fellow of the Pahara Aspen Institute, and is currently shortlisted for Professional Senior Leader of the Year by the Black Scottish Awards. With a story of his own, which starts in Harlem, New York City, via Connecticut and Chicago to his adopted home of Edinburgh. Not only all that, Kenneth. But he is hosting the Scottish Fundraising Awards this week. When I mentioned, this is a genuine story, when I mentioned I was interviewing this man tonight, I had people tell me in all caps that they loved him. It is a pleasure to welcome Gerald Richards to the Do More Good
2: podcast. Oh, thank you both for having me. This is great. I, I can I take you everywhere with me. <laughs> introductions, please. the <laughs> hype guys, hype guys at the front. No, come on, come yeah. everywhere with me. That'd be fantastic. Thank you very much. I'm glad to be here.
1: Amazing yeah. Gerald. Thank you so much. Like it, you know, it is great to have you and I think your energy from from last year once someone's experienced that energy, you know, they will always remember you. And obviously you've got a massive gig coming up in the next few weeks. Um well actually it'll be next few days by the time this is released. Obviously as we touched on at the Scottish Fundraising Awards and as we said, we did speak to you after the Scottish Fundraising Awards last year. Uh, it was episode 92, at one hour and nine minutes to be precise, after you just got off stage after hosting the awards. And you said in that episode that fundraisers are not celebrated enough for the work that we do. And how important that is for you is that we celebrate the achievements of those that work in the fundraising profession. And just really wanted to start there with you, Gerald. Like if you can talk to us about why? Maybe you refer to that, and how you can see us celebrating the achievements of, of fundraisers as we go forward.
2: Yeah, you know, I I started out as a fundraiser in nonprofit. I mean, in, in nonprofit, my nonprofit jobs I'm going to say about thirty years ago, which, <laughs> dating me. And so fundraising is always near and dear to my heart. And I think you know the engine that drives a lot of nonprofits and the work that we can do and the work we can do with young people or whoever the, our constituents are, our stakeholders are is all driven by fundraising, right? You need the funds to be able to make the the organizations run and to work. And I think usually most you, I just find most people find that when you ask them about fundraising, they don't think of it as a job. And I'm like, you need fundraising as a job and a hard job. And you it's a skilled job and one that people train to do and you get the experience in doing it and you become really successful at it. And the, I think we don't get enough, we don't give enough credit and kudos to fundraisers. So the fundraising awards at the conference is great. I, I referred to it, I think that night as the Oscars of fundraising.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: <laughs> and it really does feel that way. And it should be, because, you know, people are doing such valuable and amazing work across yeah. the country, and it should be celebrated. Yeah. yeah. Yeah.
0: And those awards are brilliant. I remember um, being in the room last year, some really heartfelt uh, speeches were given afterwards. It was just post-COVID. So, you know, everyone was back in the room celebrating again. It felt it felt amazing to uh, to be there. And then um, we touched on this just before we started recording. But we also um, recorded your business partner, Ben, at the bar after the awards, where he gave possibly the finest answer to uh, one of our cards that we like to to hand out. Uh, at awards or, or conferences, people pick one and then they answer the card. And, and it was, um, what's the worst job you've ever had? And his involved cutting the toenails of an elderly gentleman in a hospital. And I just, it, it was just a wonderful moment in a journalist's career. And it, it, it would never be topped really, but yeah. wonderful stuff.
2: Yeah. <laughs> he's a perfect, he's a, a great person to work with. I've known Ben for about, oh, it's been about 10 years since he he started an organization in South London, actually called the Ministry of Stories. And it's a mo- lot like A26, inspired by A26 and the Superpower Agency. So there's a natural affinity for us as people who run organizations and who fundraise to sort of get together and sort of the business we started sort of is 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 a product of that sort of shared experience that we both had. Makes a lot of sense.
1: Gerald, we'd like to, to, to go back to the start as uh, as a lot of, a lot of podcasts do these days and, and kind of find out what led our guests to kind of being in the position that, that, that they are. We know from kind of the research and and just looking you up, you know, you've had a long and successful career in, in not for profits in both the UK and in, in North America. Just wondered if you can go back to that start and and maybe describe what set you on that path working in, in, in the
2: sector. Oh, you know, I, I fell into, and I think a lot of people do fall into fundraising. 100%. I fell into fundraising. Um, I was a program manager at a, and this is going to be a psychiatry research project. And we were, um, my the leader of the time, my boss at the time, wanted to put in a grant for a government grant, right? So my first grant ever submitted was this government grant. And, you know, U.S. government grants are behemoths. And there's, like, hundreds of pages of, like, research that goes into it. And the grant proposal and the budget is, like, five pages of interlocking Excel spreadsheets that you have to make sure all correspond. And, you know, he was funny because it's like, we have to apply for this grant. It's $8 million. And he literally put a box of paperwork on my desk and said, you have to put it together and write it. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> and so for about a month was me putting together this grant, working with the researchers, putting it all together. And um, at the end, I submitted it. You know, i have been, I'd called up because I'd never done it before. So I was calling up the person at um, the, it was the NIH, the National Institutes of Health in the US. And I'm calling up the woman, I will call her Gloria, because I can't remember her name anymore. And, you know, how do I do this? What happens with this? And she's really helpful and great. And I submitted it. And it wasn't until, like, later that day, one of the researchers came to me and said, is this how you submitted it? And this was how, you know, this was in the beginnings of, like, Microsoft (laughs) and all computer, Microsoft, all this, Excel and all these things. And I submitted it. And it turns out I had submitted the red line version of the grant. So the one with all the corrections, all the comments, everything through it. You know, this was like, it was a box of paperwork that we submitted. So I sent it. And I had no idea. And I'm just like, oh my God, what, what happened? So I called up Gloria and I said, Gloria, I I screwed up. <laughs> I, I sent this grant proposal and it's all redlined. And what do I do? And luckily I sent the grant like two or three days. I was pretty proud of myself. I had sent two or three days ahead of the deadline. Nice. And so she was like, Ger- Gerald, just, you know what? Don't worry about it. Just send me the correct version. And we'll put it in and I'll discard the I'll discard the one that I have. I'll put in the new version if you can send it today. So Scramble did all the things, sent it today, sent it that day, and submitted it, and we got eight million dollars. Yes. <laughs> it all worked out. And it was that part that was like something like, Oh, I like doing that. <laughs> this is kind of you raise, you know, you raise money, you get these things. And so that just led to me starting to do more grant work. Um, I, my next job was in grants administration and it sort of took off from there. I'm a, you know, I have a, a master's degree in creative writing mm. In grant writing. If that's where I started, it was a grant writing, you know, you're telling the story of the organizations and the work that you're doing and the importance of that work. And it was sort of a natural fit for me. So it, the being in fundraising was a natural flow. Oh, we all know uh, Gloria, some thanks there. I know, really, I, Philip, I, for getting I wish you I could have sector. I yeah. sent her flowers afterwards. I've never talked to her again, but I sent her flowers. I was like, "Thank you so much. You yeah, saved my wonderful. life. You saved my job." So, <laughs> but I,
0: I think there's, there's almost like maybe submitting the red line one isn't a bad tactic. That you show the amount of work that went into it. Look at the number of corrections I've had to apply here. Look at it. Yeah. God, it's almost like you be seeing they, they get to see behind the scenes for a second. Uh, yeah, nice little tactic. <laughs> um, it's interesting. You should talk about the states because that. Flows on quite nicely to our, our next question. Are there things that, having been in Scotland and working in Scotland for the last five years, that you miss about the uh, the industry in the states, and maybe maybe stuff about the sector over here that you appreciate uh, the differences between the two? Maybe.
2: Um, I think it's interesting coming here. The sector here feels it's established, but it still feels a bit new. There are some things we're doing in the states. We're doing in the states that we've been doing for years around individual giving, high net worth donors, corporate giving Mm -hmm. and things that we have been doing. You know, I, um, one of my specialties was in corporate fundraising and corporate giving and working with corporations and building relationships. So when I got here, it was the, I was like, oh, this doesn't, there's, it's here, but it's not as prevalent. So it's nice to be somewhere where I could actually sort of use my expertise in a way that wasn't, you know, and sort of help and use it for the organization I was running, superpower agency. Um, for something that wasn't really well known, or at least it wasn't done a lot here, you know, Americans we're very gregarious, really, <laughs> really, <laughs> really. <laughs> and um, as someone told me when I moved to, like, you're very loud. <laughs> 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 like, yes, I. Am. And we talk to everybody and anybody, and that is sort of one of the things I think that makes us good, made us good fundraisers. Mm-hmm. Is because right, we build relationships, we talk to anybody, we talk to everybody, we are, you know, champions of our cause. And so coming here, it was good to see the same thing, not as loud, mm-hmm. but that people were really good at talking of about their causes and what they were excited about and fundraising for them. And so if anything, I miss what do I miss? I, I, you know, I, I love the US, but there's not much I miss besides burritos. <laughs> and, um, Mexican, good Mexican food. Is,
0: is, um, scale, is scale an element there? You talked about eight million pounds, uh, eight million dollars. Yeah,
2: there scale is, is very different. different. Yeah. Okay. Scale is very different. I think that was. I think when I started with the super agency, and I sat with the board and I planned out, put the strategic plan together, and I put together budget. I said, so we're going to buy in about three years. We're going to have raised five hundred thousand pounds every year, and my board looked at me like, "Yeah, that's not going to happen." <laughs> <laughs> And they're like this. And I read that's what I realized. It was like the scale was different because I was used to working in big numbers. The organization when I ran Eight Two Six national. Right. We had about a by the time I left, our budget was about two million. And so we're sort of raising that level of money from grants and the grants and individual gifts. So, you know, we were used to getting a gift from an individual that was like ten thousand dollars mm. or fifty thousand dollars. We once got a, an anonymous gift that was two hundred thousand dollars wow it's like christmas at christmas at the foreman's that is <laughs> me <blimey. laughs> yeah, completely right it was like a complete surprise like oh wow. we want to give you money here it is and we're like okay that's that's a new one and it was wow. great and you know those transformative guests, and here the amounts are smaller so i feel like there's times you have to work harder mm. to put things together and it just becomes more of a struggle it shows the importance of fundraisers because you wind up putting so much of these things together to make sure um, you can do, you can provide your services to people. So, you know, in, in the States, I was used to like getting a gift for $10,000 and here it's like, Oh, a grant is like a thousand pounds and you're happy to get it. No, yeah. don't get wrong. But having to make up a lot of those is a lot. Yeah. So, I just yeah. wanted to
1: go back to the, the corporate point. I just wonder, I know your experience in the U S was obviously a, a few years ago now, do you think that with the kind of globalization of, of corporates, you know, an increased kind of focus on their social impact as corporates and that becoming a more core component of their consumer offering, do you think that now the UK is has come together in terms of a, a similar point to corporate giving in the US? Or would you say it's kind of moved away? I'm just really interested.
2: I think it's it's, it's similar. It's yeah. similar now. Because I think now that organizations are realizing the value of it, and it's nonprofits are realizing the value of it and that they can, you know, and I think corporations are understanding that here are understanding the value that the nonprofits can bring in helping even their bottom lines about it. There's much more of a convergence happening. I think the interesting part is around the sort of ideas, of the diversity, equity, and inclusion, and how organizations are working towards that. And many of the nonprofits are working towards that and how corporations can work towards that. Mm-hmm. There's that convergence happening as well, which is happening in the States as well. And I think it's, it's all coming together. And I think to your point, the globalization of it, of I, I'm looking forward to some point that you work with some corporation that gives money to an organization that's here, it's in the States, that's somewhere else. Because, right, I mean, it's all one big world. Yeah. And these funds and the many of the organizations are doing a lot of the similar work. So corporations realizing that that similarity actually adds to their bottom line and gives them much more of an expansive reach will be really, um, would be nice and really important I think moving forward. I think we're getting there here slowly. That makes sense. Um, Just to come back to you, Gerald, just from the research,
1: again, kind of education appears to have been a a theme throughout your life. We were looking at some of your achievements and James touched on a few of them in the uh, in the intro. And and, and that suggests that you've been always looking to kind of improve yourself to become a a better leader. just interested when we when we put this podcast together we think about people listening that are maybe at a stage in their career where you know you have the opportunity to potentially inspire someone to to maybe change direction or try something or provoke a thought just interested in how you viewed your own development uh, and what you've kind of learned about yourself during the process of of self-improvement and
2: education through your career you know you know i started out my universe, my undergraduate university, we call it in the States, my undergraduate university, I was a film major in college. Wow. Um, and now I and then I became a fundraiser and then I became an executive director and I became a CEO. That was not the choice. Right. That was not I literally thought I was going to make movies and write movies and that that was I was going to be in Hollywood. I was in Hollywood for about two years before I realized I couldn't stand it. And I left. Right? So, um the thing is, I think when I, I tell people and I tell us the young people that we work with all the time is that the path isn't linear, mm-hmm. right? And that you sort of open yourself up to different experiences and different opportunities. And that's how I always felt was sort of what every job was a chance to learn and a chance to grow and a chance to experience new opportunities. So I get in the job and I'd have one, I'd be a program coordinator. And then I'm like, what else can I learn from this job? You know, what else can I get from this job? And in my mind, it was always about how, not just promotion, but how do you learn? How do you grow? How do you succeed? It was that thing. I think my parents, my mom told me when you you, you dress for the job you want, not the job you have.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: And so it took that to heart as like, OK, if I want to be here, then what do I need to do to get there? And so it was always sort of like these experiences and every job became a new experience and a new way to sort of see the world and a new way to learn. Um, and then I guess with becoming executive director and a CEO, I fell into becoming executive director. I was a director of development in an organization and I wound up my boss, you know, got let go of. Um, and I suddenly was the interim executive director. And I was like, oh, that's not where I expected to be. Plot twist. Plot, complete plot, <laughs> plot twist, right? Any Like any good movie. And then suddenly yeah. it was like, oh, well, I'm an executive director now. What do I need to do? Yeah. so you learn that and I sort of got to that. And it was always also professional development was always really important to me. So and I think should be important to everybody. And I think I'm always telling people, don't just go to work. Take advantage of the professional development of learning more and doing more because you never know where you're going to wind up. And it's always different. Like now I've left super agency and we started this consulting b We started a consulting business. And this is a whole new thing to me to be a business owner. Right? to suddenly be my own boss and to be a business owner. And it's all new to me. And so I'm learning now what that means and how how time management actually. <laughs> like, you mean I can't sit around all day and eat chocolate? Oh, I have to actually do some stuff? Okay, great. So that's learning—that's a learning curve for me. To go back a chapter,
0: you made the, the move to Scotland in, in 2018 and joined the superpower agency. Can you just tell us about that and the, and the need that you identified there?
2: Um, so I was running 826 National at the time. I had been the CEO for 826 National for about seven years, and I had gotten to a point where I was like, I think I've done, I've done everything I wanted to do, and everything that someone that I should move on, and let someone else take the reins of that organization. And at a time, the founder of the super agency had come over and done training with us because 86 National and that model has spawned um, organizations in 17 different countries. So there's a whole network of creative writing organizations in like 17 countries around the world. And the, she'd come over from Scotland and had done the training with us to bring it back and then said, you know, oh, I'll be back in touch with you when I've raised money to be able to bring this and start this up in Scotland. And it was the type of thing we had at h six, we'd heard before that people were always like, oh yeah, you're, you'll, come ba- you'll come back. Okay, we'll see what happens. A year later she came back and she was like, um, can you come and do a training for our new volunteers and people in Scotland and sort of get people excited about it? And I, you know, having never been to Scotland before, I've been to UK many, I've been to England a lot, and I've been to Ireland, but i would never been to Scotland. So I was like, oh, this is great. I'm going. Always wanted to go to Scotland. This is fantastic. And we came over and trained. And at the time, I'd already decided. We trained the volunteers and the people. And at the time, I'd already decided I was leaving six, So I was just waiting, sort of, I was riding out my last couple months and got here and did the training for the team and the people. And at the time, they're like, we can't find someone to run this. No one is crazy enough to leave their job to do a startup organization that no one really knew anything about. And I was like, I'm not crazy, (laughs) I'll do it. And I'd always wanted to live overseas. So it was a perfect opportunity for me to like, oh, this is a great opportunity. And so came over 2018 to start and started, we started our first school, Leith Academy and started, we did a um our first two books. Our first book was a guidebook for Leith. Um, and the second one was a children's book. And it was really sort of, you know, my passion has always been making sure young people succeed, mm-hmm. especially young people from disadvantaged backgrounds, low income backgrounds. Because I was one of those kids. That was how I grew, I grew up in Harlem. And so we grew up, you know, and I had that opportunity from a nonprofit that I was part of. That helped me get in my first scholarship to private school when I in high school, junior high school, and high school, and so I've always been passionate about education for young people, and I just came and I was like, oh my god, this is so necessary, it's so needed, and people don't really think about writing. You know, when you talk literacy, we talk reading, we don't talk writing. Yeah, and that was always my. That's always been a frustration of mine. I'm like, writing is incredibly important. Right, writing is gives agency, and without writing, right, we wouldn't be fund, We wouldn't be fundraisers. We'd just be sort of talking to people and hoping they give us money. So writing is really important, and giving people and young people the opportunity to write, and to grow skill and confidence in writing was really important. So I was seeing that that was a need here because there weren't any programs like that here, in um in Ed when we started in Edinburgh, there was nothing like that. So we sort of had this clean slate of like, here's the first book, and then the next school came on board and then another school came on board. And suddenly at some point I, you know, I, when I told my board, when I joined, I said, if we get into three schools, if this goes like the U S this is a hard sell. Sometimes we might be in three schools by the end of year three of our three year strategic plan. By the end of year three, we were in like 15 schools. Uh-huh. And by the time I left, we were in 25 schools and five different local councils. Uh-huh. So the need was obviously there right? And the, and the fact that we were publishing what the young people were writing and putting that out in the universe was also a selling point for their self-esteem, for them to see their books in print in bookstores and on Amazon, which seemed to be much more important to them than bookstores. They might <laughs> ask a 14-year-old what's important <laughs> about their book. If not a bookstore, it's Amazon, right? Yeah. <laughs> like my book's in Amazon. But to give them that opportunity and to put that out there and to sort of have them show that their words mattered was really important so it just became it was just the need was just there and it just exploded across the country and it'll go much further because i think it's just one of the things it's a simple idea of like bringing volunteers into a classroom to help young people write wow that's
0: it. it's kenneth's turn to get the drinks in this week so i'm gonna let you know that you can follow us on twitter and instagram at do more good pod Or if you're a professional business person, you can find us on LinkedIn too. There's a website, domoregood.uk, packed full with episodes, blog posts, details of the team, and a link to the newsletter for your
1: VIP content.
0: Coming back, two pina coladas and a lager for me.
1: I love what you said there about kind of you've done everything I wanted to do in a a role and, and you recognize that yourself and kind of, you know, thinking about people. I think that's a really good point around that personal development, isn't it? Because a lot of people end up in that situation. And I'm sure we've all come across those exactly. in the in the sector where, you know, they've maybe been in a role or an organization for a long time. They probably hit that point a few years ago, but then, you know, whatever people's situations are all different, but they kind of, they get comfortable and yeah. then they kind of end up staying there. And, and then they wonder why they've not getting the satisfaction that they once did. So I think it's, it's a really important point. And actually, it kind of comes on to, to to talking a bit more about the the conference because i think conferences are a really good way of yeah. recognizing that that maybe you've already achieved what you wanted to do in your role you hear different thoughts you hear different experiences you maybe come across conversations and opportunities at other organizations and obviously you're you're back again this year um, yes. as we touched on it's it will be this week if if the podcast goes out on the on the right um the right date but tell us about the conference that you've experienced, and and, and the value and, and connection that you've got from the
2: Scottish fundraising conference over the years. Well, it was the first conference I went to. Um, actually, the first conference I went to, I was asked to be a keynote speaker, which was I was flattering I to say the least. Actually, I, actually, the first time I went to the conference, I actually went to the award ceremony first. And then the next year they asked me to come back and be a keynote speaker, which was fantastic. And the conference is, I think, as you both said, it is the friendliest group of people. Mm. It is the most nurturing, welcoming community of human beings. And I love a good conference. I'm a conference person. I go to conferences. At one point, I, you know, when I left my last job, I had a, like 53 badges from different conferences I had <laughs> gone to seven years. So. <laughs> so i love a good conference and this conference really is to your point of it being a way for you to learn new things Mm. hear different perspectives and to just network and to meet people and see what's going on in the sector i think you know fundraising and what's going on and what's happening is changing constantly and so being able to see that and hear from what people are doing and how people are doing it is it's a it's a great opportunity to just learn and grow professionally And like I said, it is it's a fun time. The award ceremony is fun. The whole conference is fun. It's one of those things where you see you see people, and it's like last year I was like, Oh my god, I've seen these people. You know, you're seeing old friends, people you hadn't seen for a long time, people you don't get a chance to see because we're all so busy over the year. And then suddenly you have two days where you're like, here's everybody. This is fantastic. I it's great to see it. And then um, but just also that focus on fundraising and the different aspects of fundraising, because a lot of times I think why conferences are so great is because sometimes you don't get to step out of the box of work yeah so again suddenly you're out of the box of work and you're in this environment where it's all fundraisers yeah and you're all talking the same language and doing the same thing and you get to sort of that nurturing fun environment of that sort of um community that's created from it is really important
0: yeah yeah that's a really nice point that certainly for us it feels like we go up until this year, every year, and we see some friends and we meet up with people and that's where we'll, we'll see them. Um, and we, Gar- uh, Gary's already made us feel very bad about the fact that we're not going to be there. Other people have got in touch as well and said, oh, real shame that we, we won't see you this year. If there are new people heading to the conference, if, if it's their first Scottish conference or their first conference overall, any any tips or advice for them about how to treat it? Like sometimes you get uh, sessions running at the same time. The, yeah yeah no, no, i desperate for that
2: i always think the, the first experience it's funny because like i remember i'm trying to remember the first time i ever went to a conference and you show up and you got your little name badge and you got your pad yeah. and, you walk up and you're like i don't know what to do i don't know many people and it was and i think your first instinct is to go to the the sessions that you know and of the things you know and i say go to the things you don't know Right, Go to the things, like if you're an individual fundraiser and that's your specialty, go to the corporate fundraising right, session. If you are a grants and foundations person, go to the individual, right? Go to the things to sort of learn more and do more, right? And figure out just the different aspects because so that's about, this. so plays into this whole learning new things and growing. And then don't be afraid to sort of like sit there, smile at people, ask questions. It is this thing of like, it's scary at first, but then once you sort of talk to people and you start to see people, people will ask you like questions or just feel free to ask people questions, right? And other people, if you see someone works at an organization that you're interested in or the speakers who are um, leading a session and you see you have the opportunity to catch up with them afterwards, it's a good way to start not to spark conversation, but to hear what people are doing. And to sort of begin to meet new people, because I think it's a good conference is always a good opportunity to meet new people and make connections. If you don't, I know right now, I don't know if business cards are, are de because it's, you know, paper. <laughs> and yep. People throw them away. But I was always a big fan of a business card. I would walk away from conferences with like 20 business cards because, right, it's a good way and you follow up after that. So it was always a good way to sort of Connect, hand out your business card, learn about people, and then you connect afterwards. And you know, a lot of people, or at least on LinkedIn, yeah, in some yeah. way. So a way to sort of stay connected with people that you might need have questions about what you're doing that they could answer.
1: You know what, it, it, you you're spot on, and I also though, want to acknowledge that some people, and I'm sure we, we all three of us will acknowledge this, that some people find them quite intimidating, don't they? You know, they, they may be introverted and. Uh, it might surprise a few people, but I think we all have those kind of tendencies and questions at times. And just from something from my own experience, I was invited to an, an event um, a few weeks ago, and and I didn't know anyone else was going. I was going along on my own. It was uh, a private kind of event uh, in central London, and I thought I'm going to have to go along to this thing, and I'm going to have to speak to people that I just don't know, and I'm going to have to approach people, and. I actually just kind of went online and Googled a few things about kind of go, you know, just to remind myself. And like one of the the principles that I remember that I took with me was, just looking at actually people and how they're standing. If someone's standing face to face, they're having a bit of a closed conversation and that might not be the one to go and talk to, but actually just looking at the people in the room that were kind of standing sideways on and maybe having a conversation, it was more of a welcoming, and that tip alone, I would say, just just think about that when you go. And actually, when you find that you ask people that first question or you introduce yourself, 99.9% 99.9% of those people have been too afraid to do that themselves. Yes. And they will absolutely embrace it. So you may be an introvert. You may find these things challenging, but just challenge yourself a little bit to go and have that conversation. And I think it, hopefully people will surprise themselves.
2: Yeah, that's spot on. I think most times people you'll see someone off you're at the lunch or whatever, and people are just standing there by themselves and they're just waiting for someone to talk to them. And they're just also like, I don't know what my first question should be. Right. Yeah. So like, Go and ask, or someone who you you've seen somewhere, or you like you said, you've seen online, you've heard about <clears throat> and just going up to talk to them. I think that's that it's just getting over that initial fear.
1: It is absolutely but um Gerald, you you're hosting a session, you're hosting a master class, I think. Can you give us a bit of a sneak preview of uh what maybe people can expect later in this week? I think you'll be giving people feedback
2: on their fundraising pictures. Tell yeah. us a little bit more about that. Ben and I so are are coming to BNG. We are Ben and I are both storytellers. And so our organization is based on um, our model is help you tell a better story about what you do. So we work on organizational storytelling. We have a session that is based on using your evaluation data to tell impact and to tell a story about your organization. From ex- Just from exp- our own experience of being nonprofit leaders is and fundraisers is that a lot of times you have like a minute or so, 30 seconds, right? The elevator pitch to give your pitch to somebody, hopefully that they want to hear more and how do you hook them? And we'd both been in the experience where we'd be like, someone had come and pitched to us and they talk for like, you have a minute and they talk for five, right? How many of us have been in sort of session things, Zoom calls, where someone's supposed to introduce themselves and you're like, you should take 30 seconds. And five minutes later, they are going on and on about what they do. And so one of the things we talk about is how in that minute that you might have, how do you hook somebody to ask the next question? That sounds interesting. Tell me more. Right. And especially in fundraising, when you're pitching to a funder, you're pitching to a donor and they're hearing from, you know, foundations. Right. They're getting hundreds of proposals. How do you stand out? How do you get to that point where you have someone say, I'm interested. I want to hear more. And so our session is really giving the opportunity to people to do their pitch and get feedback on it. Because I think sometimes we do it with a pitch and we just do it and no one gives us feedback on it, right? You just sort of hope that it works. And you when it works, it works. When it doesn't, it doesn't. And you get no yeah, feedback yeah. on it. Yeah. And we're just like, hey, how about we do a masterclass on allow, giving people the opportunity to pitch to us and then we give them feedback. on, And hopefully that would be helpful for them as they move on and do their pitches for individual donors, corporate donors, right? Because there's always that aspect where you have to talk to somebody, right? Your grant proposal is on paper, but there's always that point where you have to now, you're like, I got a minute with this person. Or you're at a party. I mean, I the, the experience I had was you're at a party or you're at an event and someone introduces you, oh, Gerald, this is the CEO of Revlon. <laughs> and, you know, the CEO of some company that you're like, oh, okay, and they're like, well, what do you do? Tell me about your organization, and you're like, okay, I got a minute, right, before that person with their drink looks at you, because you can tell, right, when the person zones out, if you go on too long, so when you have a drink and you're like, oh, we do, you know, we do creative writing workshops for kids and in schools and do that, and they're like, oh, that's interesting. What, what types of books are they? And then you know you got them hooked when they start to ask you more questions, but the worst thing you want to do is what winds up happening for most, many people is, When you ask them what they do, they suddenly start to give you the whole spiel on every program they do and everything they do. And I'm like, that comes later. Mm -hmm. First part is how do you get someone to tell them about what the mission of your organization is and what it is, why it's important. Mm -hmm. So we're hoping with the pitch is the exercises that gives people the opportunity to hone that that ability. That sounds good. Yeah. Talking of standing out,
0: Certainly, last year you stood out because the outfit was 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 on point. It was it was an incredible outfit, and and uh, we that that did come up in the episode ninety two. Uh, have you got your outfit sorted for this year? Will people be coming up to you and asking about
2: where you got it from? I do. Uh, well, we hopefully they do. I couldn't. I don't think I could top the kilt, the, the Highlander kilt, kilt, kilt outfit. Yeah, I almost a friend of mine I was like, you have to wear it again, but I'm like, you can't wear the same outfit. <laughs> host an awards ceremony, so I've got. A, there's not a kilt this time. I've decided okay. not to do kilt, but I'm hoping people will be very impressed with the outfit. Okay. Okay. Tuxedo, it's nice. I believe it's champagne colored. We'll see what happens. Oh, <laughs> yes, <laughs> we'll because
0: yeah. <laughs> you will be sent to stage. You'll be sent to stage for the awards. There's a considerable amount of pressure on being on stage and, and for the awards, mainly as I would find, not crying. When the nominees are announced and people come up and do their speeches, how do you handle that?
2: Oh my god, it's it's so great. It's like it's it is. It's, I think for me, it's like imagining like what it would be like at the Oscars, right? Of someone is coming up, you read it, you're hosting it, and you do you reading these nominations of these amazing organizations that are doing phenomenal work, and somehow the judges have picked one to win. And there is one point, there was a woman she came up and she was crying. And I was like, You're gonna make me cry, you can't cry. We gotta stop crying. <laughs> right. <laughs> we gotta stop crying. We can't cry. Um, but it is just just I think it's the part of it's adrenaline. <laughs> right. Part of it is just the being around these amazing people who as a receptive you- audience, right? There's everyone is there, wants everyone to win. Yeah. Right. And they are want to just sit there and applaud for everyone to, because they're all doing such great work. So it really is. It's almost there's a point where the nerve wracking part is figuring out what the monologue is, which I, <laughs> what the beginning part is to start the conversation um, and to start the award show. And then it sort of moves on. It, it's it's great because people and if you get a receptive when they come up and they win and they're excited, then you're excited. And that was really good. You got up there, and they're just like, "Oh my god, I won!" And I'm like, "Yes, you did. This is great." So it's it's fun in that way, and it just sort of builds on that. So by the end, I mean, I, after I think I talked to you and we had a drink, I went back to my hotel room. I was exhausted. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> I was exhausted. But it's such a fun experience. I love it. I love. I'm so glad that they asked me to come back to host again. Oh. The-
1: That's amazing. And so, yeah, if you are listening to this, make sure you go along and and see Gerald uh, host the awards. I'm sure people won't be disappointed when, when they go, Gerald, just wanted to, as we kind of start wrapping it up, I just wanted to talk a little bit about your organization in terms of B and G, the consultancy you've talked to us there about, about your masterclass. And obviously you and Ben have a lot of um, experience in, in fundraising leadership. You've been there and done it. You've wore the salmon tuxedo, but what, (laughs) What, tell us a little bit about what, what how you're helping organizations at the moment in terms of your kind of day-to-day work at the consultancy.
2: Um, a lot of our work is sort of giving up giving organizations, nonprofit leaders and people the opportunity to sort of talk to people who've been, there, to your point, been there and done that, mm. right? Our, our job, what we believe, is to use our experience to help other people. I think one of the things when we started the consultancy was all that we didn't want people to go through all the things we had to go through. All the mistakes, all, you know, all the mistakes, all the pain, all of the thing. And we're like, how do we help people just not have to, to navigate that? And many times in nonprofit, in non, in the world, especially if you're a leader, you tend to do that stuff alone. Mm. right? With that, that adage, it's lonely at the top is true, right? Because you don't have people to talk to. And so having the opportunity to talk to Ben and I, who've done this work, but also the share ideas and so a lot, we started out with um because we start we as you do we started a business and then the pandemic hit right yeah. and so we wind up having to pivot to teaching classes online and our first um online workshop was a telling your story with impact which was about using your impact data to tell your organizational story and we didn't think we'd have a lot of uptake on it and it was a full house we usually our classes are usually small they're about 15 people since that first class, we've expanded to teaching. We do a corporate fundraising workshop. We just started one on succession planning. Now we've worked with about 2,000 different nonprofit organizations just in those online classes. And it really is giving leaders a chance to meet with each other, to hear different perspectives, to talk to each other. And then our work has sort of branched out from that of building. We do um, audience engagement work. We do consultancies. We do facilitation. The best part is, one, it's about our experience in this work. We also play on the fact that you get an American experience and you get a UK experience, <laughs> right? Which are sometimes vastly different. Yeah. Right. So uh, I'm the one. I'm the blunt guy. So I'm the one that asks the que- the blunt questions, right? <laughs> There's the nice questions that Ben asks in a very, you know, British way. Yeah. Yeah. Very nice. And then the American comes in and goes, "Why are you doing that?" <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <And> so, <laughs> Which is great because a lot of times I think people don't have the opportunity to go, you just asked me a very blunt question and I have to give you a very blunt answer about what it is, right? And so that sort of dichotomy of things, how what we both bring to the work um, is incredibly helpful in what we do and I think really helpful for organizations as they move forward. So our job is just really to help nonprofits do better and be better. Do more good. Do more yeah. good. Exactly.
1: Brilliant. it. Right that was really good. Yeah, I mean, that sounds exciting, and and I think we've we've kind of given a bit of a flavour of what people can come to expect. A few tips in there, a few bits of career advice, a bit more insight into Gerald's experience, and uh, yeah, hopefully, if you're excited by this. It's only a couple of days away. You can go and go and meet Gerald for yourself and we very much encourage that. Gerald, we don't let you go without a few quickfire questions. Okay. I know that that was when we first met you outside of the uh, auditorium up in Scotland, but um, we've got a couple that we drop in the end of our podcast. So I'll sh- start us off. Gerald, if you could transport yourself back in time, meet your 20-year-old self, what piece of advice would you give and why?
2: Um... Investor money. Yeah. Investor money. (laughs) That would be the big one. That would be the big one. Invest that money. Invest that. Start investing money. Start investing. Nice.
0: Nice. Uh, Question number two. Uh, Can you tell us about one life hack, a productivity tool, a habit, or a skill you have taught yourself recently you think everybody needs to know about?
2: Life hack. Um, um. Everyone probably knows this already. Have a hard drive. Oh, separate. A separate hard drive. Have a separate hard drive. I think we've become so reliant on the cloud, and I have a, a lot of stuff in the cloud, but then I was like, well, someone said, why don't you have a hard drive? And I was like, well, because it's all in the cloud. They're like, well, they had less faith in the cloud than I do. <laughs> Yeah. They're <laughs> like, you know, you never know, or your computer might break down or something happens. And what wound up happening is I had an old computer, Apple computer, and it died. Cool. And I was like, oh my God, how do I get all the stuff off the computer? And so I, after that happened, I was like, um, I need a hard drive. <laughs> I bought a hard drive. And so I have, I'm looking at it right now. Hard drives right there. Every now and then I back up the computer. It works, and it is just—it sounds so old school, and it sounds so old man, but it's so—I think—so useful. So when you when you need pho- it, yeah. yeah, especially for photos, because right, we wind up taking. I take a lot of photos on my phone. I travel a lot. I take a lot of photos, and that's what, The other part that happened. My phone was like, I I can't anymore. <laughs> I can't stop it. Stop it. Stop with the photos. So putting those all on the hard drive were really good.
1: <laughs> I like this, James. We should we should rename this section to Life Hacks from the mid nineties. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> okay and the last question gerald um as a fo- as a podcast that is focused around people doing more good what is your favorite story or inspiring individual that you've met on your journey recently who has done something good for others
2: um well, this is great that's a great question there's so many people i know i, I keep meeting people who i'm like what you're doing is amazing what mm-hmm. you're doing is amazing um, I'm going to tell, so I, we just had a conference. Um, one of my last acts as CEO, super agency was, so as I said, right, A26 has spawned this sort of international network of organizations. And so we had an international conference of all those organizations came together in Edinburgh about two weeks ago. So this was sort of like 20 groups from Melbourne, Sydney, Milan, Paris, all over the place. And it was being in that room with these people who were all working with young people around writing and helping them gain writing skills and build confidence that people were talking about their work and what they were doing in their different cities and seeing this sort of the similarities and the differences, but all focused on one goal of helping young people. It was so inspiring because there's a point where you're looking at all these people and you're like, and I think at some point we said we work with something like more than 100,000 young people worldwide. And I was just like, you people are amazing. Mm-hmm. You sort of taken yeah. this germ of an idea that started in the States and it's grown into this international network as you have a name called Writing Our World. And it, it's just this amazing thing to be in the presence of all of these leaders and all these people who were doing it. There was a point we had a dinner at the end and I was like, I'm was like, i sorry, you're all so impressive. I feel like I, and, and that I was leaving that network to sort of this new journey was also really sad because I was like, I I don't know, I hope I'm around people like you again very soon. So I will be in Glasgow. So that'll be great. Nice. You know, what? actually, just as you're talking there, I think that's probably something
1: that people in this sector should do more of is just have that time to reflect because we get, you know, because become so used to hearing inspiring stories, meeting inspiring people, it sometimes just becomes part of what you do every day. And actually having their moments, and I can remember a few myself, when you have that moment where you just almost extract yourself from the situation, take a step back and go, wow, look at all of the good that these people in this room or this person that I've just met has done. It kind of just resets you a little bit, you know? Yes. And I think that's probably a, a really good... So if you're listening to this, maybe reset. Have a have a think about actually what impact you've had or the inspiring people that that, that you've met. But look, Gerald, you're certainly one of those. And um look, thank you for your uh, your energy and and your enthusiasm. And yeah, I'm sure people are excited to to see you. Just if anyone wants to kind of reach out to you
2: or connect or or come and speak to you, any where, where would you point them to? Um I point them to our website, bngpartners.com. Or email me at gerald at bngpartners.com. Awesome. That is awesome. Or say hello at the conference. I'll or be say there. Hello. Say hello at the conference. Come If you're by yourself and you see me, come and say hello. I'll say hello.
1: Well, brilliant. Gerald, look, my reflection on this episode is I, I dressed today for the job that I want to have and James dressed for, well, I'm not sure. <laughs>
2: <laughs> <laughs> I don't know how I dress, but <laughs> I dressed for my new consulting job. So I just for the job I have, I guess. Go-
1: <laughs> James, any final
0: thoughts? Um, it's been a, it's been a wonderful wonderful story. You somehow managed to live up to the the pre podcast billing from my colleague. Um, I'm sure you will live up to the the pre awards excitement. Um, for me, it's an it's a big all caps thank you to Gloria uh, for sparking that career where you've championed your causes. You champion all causes. Um, thank you very much. It's been wonderful.
1: Thank you. Thanks for having. Me. We'll wrap it up there. Thanks, guys. And we'll see you soon. Cheers.
0: Just before we go, can we ask a favour? If you've enjoyed this episode and you've made it this far after all, and you want to help us reach more people and attract more guests, then we'd love a review on
1: iTunes. Alternatively, if you haven't got anything nice to say, then say it in an email. Get in touch at contact at domoregood.uk and let us know how we can improve the show. We'll be back in a couple of weeks with another story of someone doing more good.